doubly my fault. Um, thank you for being here tonight as we continue our series on prayer. If you've been around church at all, or just even church people, you've probably seen this happen at some point, where you tell somebody, hey, I really need you to do, and you give them a task, and they say, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it real quick. Let me pray about it for a week. Let me pray about it for a couple days. And then they come back to you and they're like, no, God said no. I'm not going to do it. Or maybe you've even been the person to do this where somebody asks you to do something. You're like, that sounds horrible. I don't want to do that. But I don't want to say no. So I'll say, I'll pray about it. And then it'll be God's fault when I say no. And so when I was in college, I was going to this church. And the pastor came to me. He says, I have this great opportunity for you. And already in my mind, I'm thinking, no. Like, <laughs> anytime the pastor comes to you with a great opportunity, probably it's a no. But um, he came to me, he says, we need somebody to head up our bus ministry. And I was like, that sounds horrible. And I had rode a couple times on the bus ministry, and it picked up kids in this rough part of town and brought them to church. I thought that was a great thing. I just didn't want to be a part of it. I had rode on the bus a couple times. Kids had gotten into fights with each other, gotten into fights with me as a uh, college student on the bus trying to keep order. And I was like, I do not want to drive this bus full of students. And he goes, he could see the hesitation in my face. And he said to me, we'll even get you a cool hat that says bus captain. And I'm like, whoa, you know how to sell things right there. No, like I don't want to do this. And so I told him, I said, let me pray about it. And so I took a week to pray about it. And at the end of the week, my answer was still no, because during that week, God didn't write in big giant letters, hey, you should do this. God didn't send me a letter or give me a phone call. And so I was like, at the end of the week, God didn't change my mind. So that just means no. And I think sometimes we use prayer as an excuse to avoid taking action. Sometimes we use prayer as a stopgap. It's something to look busy or to look spiritual so we can keep from actually doing what we need to do. But prayer is not an excuse for inaction. Prayer equips our action to be effective. It's not a question of should you pray or should you act. It's not an either or, it's a both and. If we're going to be effective in this world, we need to be taking action but that should be preceded by prayer, and the whole action should be covered in prayer so that we can be empowered for the actions we take in the world to be effective. Now, last week we started our series on prayer, and I gave you two challenges. First of all, I challenged you for a week to pray only for what Jesus would pray for. See, most of the time we pray for selfish things. We pray for things that we want rather than necessarily God wants. But the Bible encourages us, as Darby reminded us, that we should pray in Jesus' name. What would Jesus pray for in this place and in this time? What would he ask for, not what we would ask for? Prayer is us encountering God, coming away changed by that encounter so that we want what he wants and we ask for what he wants. We begin to invite him to do what he already wants to do in our world. But the other challenge I gave you was to think of prayer not starting with words, but starting with an image. What comes into your mind when you think about God? That's the most important thing about you. That's going to define how you pray and how you act and how you live. And I think most of us, sometimes we just throw words up at the ceiling and we're not thinking about the glorious, holy, majestic being that we're talking to. And so this week, we're going to talk about how we start to uh, work out this tension between praying and taking action. 
Maybe you've seen this sometimes when there's a tragedy or there's a hurricane or an earthquake or uh, a shooting and people tweet out or they put up on social media, our thoughts and prayers are with you, right? We're thinking about you and we're praying for you. Or maybe you've even got a card in the mail. I've, I've gotten this from people where they've sent me a card and it says, we're thinking of you and praying for you. That's nice that people are thinking of me, but necessarily that doesn't help my situation necessarily. Um, just because someone's thinking about me, I'm like, well, it's nice that you remembered that I exist, but your thoughts aren't going to change the world. And it's nice that you're praying for me, but I think sometimes we pray about things that we should actually take action to change. So we're like, man, somebody should really do something about that. I'll pray that God leads somebody to change that. Well, maybe the fact that you're praying about it, that you noticed it, God's leading you to be that somebody to change it and do something about it. It's great to think about people and let them know that they're not forgotten. It's great to pray for people. But if you can move from just praying to actually becoming the answer to your prayer and do something, I think that's the best. Because prayer doesn't excuse inactivity, but prayer empowers activity. Prayer empowers the activity that you take. If, for instance, you say, I hate my job, I want a new job, and you begin praying about it, I think that's great. That's a great place to start. But you should also update your resume and begin applying on some jobs. If, for instance, you say, you know what? I really want to see this change, and all you do is pray about it, and you don't take any steps to change it, do you really want to see it happen? Or do you simply want to seem like you want it to change while putting in the least amount of work? Because it's easy to talk about saying you're going to pray. We've probably all done this at some point. When somebody says, will you pray about this? We say, yeah. And then we immediately forget. Or if we do remember, we pray about it for 30 seconds, maybe once or twice. But our prayer should empower our activity. Um, I love this quote by Mark Batterson. And I have some copies of his book over here. If you don't have it, I'd love for you to pick up one. It's, been, it's helped me as I think about prayer and how prayer affects our everyday life. And he said this, pray like it depends on you, but work like it depends on God. Or pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. I reversed it. So I think many times we pray about things and we say, God, I really want you to do this, but we don't take any steps to actually see it done. We want it to happen as long as it doesn't require anything of us or any sacrifice on our part or any time or energy or effort. As long as God's going to do it, good, I want it to get done. But if it involves me, well, I'm not as passionate about seeing it happen. And then on the flip side, sometimes we have people who work really, really hard, but they never ever pray about it. And so it has no supernatural empowerment. They try to do it in their own strength and they're frustrated and they fail. And so there's a tension here between prayer and action, we need to do both. And I wanna look at today in James chapter two, starting in verse 15. It says, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, be at peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without works, I always show you my faith by my works, James says. I think many times in America, in church, we've gotten very good at sounding spiritual, saying spiritual things, while avoiding being actually spiritual. See, it's easy to say, I'm praying for you. But if they have a need, pray for them and then go out and meet the need. 
Be there for them. And that's exactly what James is describing. He says, some of you hear that there's people in our church or in our community that don't have clothes or food, and you're like, let me pray that God feeds you and clothes you. And James is like, why don't you just feed and clothe them? And then pray for them as well. Like, you can do both. And I think many times saying we'll pray for someone, or even at its best, actually praying for people, is easier than actually serving people, actually meeting their needs. And we like to sound spiritual. If you tell someone, I'm praying for you, that sounds spiritual. They're like, oh, thank you. That's nice. That makes you sound like you are a spiritual person. But James says, if you just end at prayer and you don't do anything, do you really care? That's essentially what he's saying. If you say, I'm really concerned about these people across the world who don't have clean drinking water. I'm praying they get clean drinking water. I think that's great. But then take some actions and some steps to actually see them get clean drinking water. If you're praying for someone across the street and you say, I think it would be great if they came to know Jesus because Jesus invites people to live and love like he did and becoming his disciples the best way to live life. And I'd love for them to hear that. And you say, I hope somebody goes and tells them about Jesus. But you, you're there. Walk across the street, build a relationship with them, build trust and share with them. You know, in James 4, 17, uh, James says, that if we know something is good and we don't do it, he said, that's sin. And I think that praying about a need that you can help instead of actually acting on it is not just hypocrisy. I think it's sin. Did you ever think about that? That prayer could be sinful if you're praying instead of meeting a need that you're able to meet. Just praying instead of praying and acting can actually be sinful because you're failing to do the good that you could do. See, Jesus just doesn't want us to sound religious or look religious. He wants us to be like him. See, Jesus isn't about whether or not you have his appearance. He's about whether or not you have his heart and his behavior. That's what he's interested in. That's what James is saying here when he's like, so you say that you're all faith, but you actually don't do anything. It doesn't result in anything. He says that's dead faith because that's not real faith. Because he says real faith won't just do spiritual things and talk about spiritual things, but spiritual things begin to affect our everyday life. And Jesus doesn't want to invite us to join a church or to sign off on a creed or to make some religious statements. Jesus wants to invite us into this relationship with him. And he says, come and be my disciple, be my student. Learn how I lived and how I loved and follow in my footsteps. And if you come to me and admit that you need me, he says, I'll supernaturally send my strength, my Holy Spirit, to help you live out the life the way that I lived and loved. I think sometimes we think that Jesus just wants us to do some religious tasks Things like prayer and praying for people, and it doesn't have any effect on our everyday life. But Jesus doesn't invite us into just some religious exercises. He invites us into a radically different life. He wants to change our heart and our minds and our desires as we become like him. And sometimes we settle for saying, I'll pray for you, instead of reaching out and saying, let me help you because I can. And we hope that somebody else will jump in. So what challenges do we take away from this? You say, well, Alex, the whole thing's challenging. I wish you'd just shut up. Like, I'm sick of hearing about that. But I think there's a couple specific challenges we can take into our life this week. The first one is, how can you be the answer 
to the prayer you've been praying about. See, sometimes we pray a long time about something instead of doing something about what we're praying about. And I think there's sometimes in my life where I've prayed about something and I say, God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this instead of doing what I can in that situation and asking him to empower what I can do. And sometimes we get so busy asking God to do what he told us to do, and we try to do what God commanded us to do, or what he said he would do. Think about how the things you're praying about, you can begin to be the answer. I think many times, if God puts something on your heart to pray about, it's because he wants to use you to answer that request. You can't do it on your own. You need to come to him so that he can supernaturally empower you, but then he wants you to be the vessel through which he works and shares and changes things. And then our last challenge, I think, needs to be, don't, if someone says they need a friend, don't pray and say, I hope you get a friend. Be a friend. Right? And don't just pray for people. Be with people. Uh, a pastor who was training me, um, he gave me some really good advice. He says, if someone asks you to pray for them, stop right there and pray about it. Because, let's be honest, you'll forget and I think that we can go even one step beyond that and not just pray for people, but if someone says, hey, I need a friend, be the answer to that request. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. I hope you get that friend. Become that friend. If someone says, you know what, I'm starving, don't say, I'll pray for you. I hope you get that meal. Give them the meal. If someone says, I need this, I'm broken, it's so much easier. It takes so much less of our time. So much less discomfort to just say, I'll pray for you. I'll go off on my own thing and leave you over here. It's so much harder to say, I'm going to pray for you. But then I'm going to step into your life, step into your pain, step into your need, and I'm going to be the answer to what you're asking for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this challenge to my life where sometimes I pray because it's an easier option than getting involved. And God, I pray that you will make us a people who passionately pray for your will to be done on earth and for your power to be seen in us that we might change this world and share with people the good news of Jesus Christ. But Lord, I pray that we do not settle for prayer when you've called us to action. And Lord, instead, that every action we take is bathed in prayer. That we pray before and during and after to celebrate what you've done. But God, do not let us be a people who settle for the easy spiritual answers instead of taking the difficult steps into messy people's lives to reach down and help them where they are. And God, I pray that you will challenge us this week to not just pray like you would pray. To not just have a high and holy image of you in our mind as we talk to you. But God, I pray that you will help us to recognize the places where we can be the answer to the things we've been praying about. The things that you've burdened our hearts to pray about. Lord, I pray that you will position us to be those change makers in our communities, in our churches, in our families, in our city and world. And God, I pray that we won't just pray for people. We won't settle for the quick and easy answer. But instead, Lord, that we'll be with people. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, like I believe you would pray. Amen.